I think the world of comparison has taken over. I think when we were younger, you would only see what the girl next to you had. You didn't in see person, what person not on her. had, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. you were kind of raised in your your environment was what everybody like. So if you were middle class, you probably hung out with middle class, right? So you probably weren't around kids who had parents that had Porsches or fancy shit or housekeepers, right? You you kind of kept with your own level. And my first ever interview is with Jessica Bergio. I'm so excited because she's a fellow California gal. She and I met last year, right before the pandemic, right before all this craziness. And we've been connected ever since. And I'm excited because we're doing this Slay Gals event that's coming up in December. And we're going to be giving back to the silent essential worker. That's the seamstress that has been working overtime, sewing all the PPE, all the masks, all those, you know, those yellow jackets that the doctors put on. And then they have to like throw away. They only wear for maybe 10 minutes when they see Uh, somebody in the hospital. So they've been just sewing and sewing and sewing and, you know, making pennies on the dollar. So we're going to be giving back to them in December. And I'm here talking with Jessica. Jessica is a business, uh, let me say this right, beauty business mentor. And you also mentor other beauty experts, people that own salons, uh, people that do makeup, right? And especially right now with the pandemic, Jessica, I can just imagine how difficult it is because, you know, because I'm in fitness, right? And I had a fitness studio and I don't know how it is in San Diego, but with all that being said, welcome to the show and tell us how you got started in beauty, period. Like how, what, what motivated you? Were you always like this as a young child? I think the backstory to it is I had terrible hair growing up. Um, thank you for having me on the show. I love anytime I get to connect with you and I love that we're doing this together to help, uh, give back in the way that we can. Um, but yeah, I think I grew up, I had terrible hair, curly, frizzy hair. I could never do. My mom didn't know how to style my hair. And so it was one of those things out of necessity that I learned and fussed with and tried all the things when I was younger. Um, and then in high school, uh, a girlfriend of mine said, Hey, we could go to this school, this trade school for free if we sign up. And so it was kind of just like, I let her lead and we had worked in salons together, you know, sweeping hair and you know, answering the phones and whatnot. So I had never thought about it, about it as a real career. It definitely wasn't something that was on the list of the things my mom was going to allow me to do as an adult. <laughs> Doctor, teacher, lawyer, your fit in the box kind of yeah. shit. Uh-huh. But I'd always been fascinated with doing hair. I'd always been fascinated with doing my own hair. My mom was a makeup artist back in the day. So I always got to watch her do her makeup. And I loved that. We did our nails. So all things girly, even though I grew up kind of like a tough tomboy. Um, so I went to beauty school and I hated it. I hated every bit of it. It was like an extension of high school. And I'm like, I wasn't ready for it. So I quit. I quit like yeah. any kid would do. And I said, yeah. I'm going to regular college and figure it out. So I fussed around with school there, still couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. And um, like the stigma for most people in the industry, it was like, what else is there for me? I wanted to do something creative. I wanted to do something fun. I wanted to do something that wasn't super high pressure that when I left work, I wouldn't have to take it home with me. Um, and that coming from parents who always brought their shit home, right? I wanted something to where I came home. It was like done. So um, a year later, I was a year older and wiser and your hours in school only last so long. So I went back to beauty school a year older and had a totally different experience. There were different kids in the school, different teachers, and I had a really great um, experience with it. And from that point forward, my mom kind of jumped on board and was like, hey, if you're going to be in this industry, you're going to work at the best salon in San Diego. So she started getting her hair done at this really high end salon and I got my 
my foot in the door there along with a couple other people that I knew. And it was that foundation there that I realized it was a business and could be treated like one for those that wanted to take it seriously. So I think that early instilled in me like a passion for the business side of it alongside with being creative. I saw people that treated it like it was a celebrity-ish kind of job. They walked around, you know, with the leather pants and the cool hair. They'd all be their own individual person inside this one salon. And so that was where I was like, I felt like I had found my place. So that was really cool. And then the journey took its took its role. Um, I left with a mentor of mine and was as brought up in the industry. I saw the kind of things that didn't go right, partnerships that didn't work out, how to run a successful business, how to not run a successful business, um, and, and what and where I fit in there. Did I want to work commission, booth rent, all of the different avenues of how you can run this type of a business. So the the most powerful thing that I learned was connecting. If you could connect with your clients, they would forever stay with you, whether or not you did a good hair service. So probably similar for you in the industry, like whether or not they had a really kick-ass workout class, if they loved you, they were coming back. Absolutely. And they're going to drive, especially for their hairdresser. You're going to drive. Totally. So I moved a few different salons in my growth phase, and now I opened my own salon back in October of last year. So right before all of this happened, Mm -hmm. uh, this definitely was not in the business plan this whole pandemic thing. Um, but what it did for me was luckily I had already kind of laid the foundation in the group that Joanna and I have experienced with the mastermind that we had both stuck our neck out knowing we had hit kind of a ceiling in our business, whether we had done all the things we thought we could do, right? We, we'd reached, we, we were making this much money, we're doing good, but what was next? next. I think for women like us at our age, we're like, okay, yep. we've done all the things, we've done as well as we can kind of in the box that we've put ourselves in. What would it look like if I invested and I, and I just went one step further? And so luckily I had done that mastermind two years prior. And so I had kind of thought about what, what, how do I want to fit in this? And it was community. I want to build community in my industry because so many salons, this salon doesn't talk to this salon and these hairdressers aren't friends with these hairdressers. And it was like, how do you collaborate? It almost like people stealing clients in the gym, right? With the person mm-hmm. you, you don't, how do you collaborate with another trainer? Um, and it was that, that I wanted to try to change the game a little bit. So I started these networking brunches, bringing just hairdressers together to try to give back time for us, for us to connect with each other, for us to talk about our businesses and to kind of plot and plan how we could make the industry better as a whole, but also to open up ideas of other ways to make money. Did you want to get into education? Did you want to get into, you know, um, starting your own retail? I don't know. There's so many avenues you can be in the industry, but not be physically behind the chair. Absolutely. Just like in fitness, you don't have to be the trainer, but how can you make money in other ways? Well, Jessica, what's the biggest mistake that you see salon owners making? Mm, That one's tough. I would have to say from my personal experience, um, salon owners that get lost in the growth phase of thinking they need to have a really big salon in order to make a lot of money. And they forget the people that were there for them in the very beginning. So I think if you are a great communicator, as a leader and you're able to lead your team, you will have success in keeping that salon full, the stylist happy, people thriving in that business. People don't quit on their job. They don't say, oh, all of a sudden one day I don't want to do hair anymore. They say, oh, fuck this place. I don't want to work for this company anymore. I'm out of here. They it's quit not- the leader. They quit the leader, they quit yep. the environment, they quit the energy that's being put out. And I think a good leader sets the tone for that culture that can be built in our industry. And our industry is so like, you're such an individual brand behind the chair. Everyone has their own book of business. So it is a tough like corral mm-hmm. to get everybody on the same page because we're not all meant to be the same. Mm-hmm. I could be doing the same haircut as you, 
but like this client's going to come to you because they like you versus me. Like that's just, you connect with who you connect with. Um, and I think sometimes salon owners get stuck on the fact that either everyone has to be doing the same thing, or if they don't click with certain stylists, then they kind of just don't care about them. But as a leader, you really have to pour into each individual person and make time that each person feels appreciated seen, heard, cared for, check in with them. Um, the best salon owners I have had, had, you know, monthly meetings with each of us to sit down to see how we were doing. Even if it was five minutes, they would just, separately. yeah, separately. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Keep yep. I think, I think building individual people's businesses, you have to be open to supporting them in whatever form that they need. So a lot of us over the years ended up having kids. So we were all single or we were, you know, early stages of our career. And then mm-hmm. 10 years later, you know, I'm a mom, she's a mom, she's a mom. And it's like, how are you going to keep the people that you have working for you happy? Because it's so easier to keep clients that you already have happy or staff that you already have happy than having to go out and get new ones. Absolutely. Right. It's just like a client. It's more Mm -hmm. expensive to get a new client than to keep the one that you have happy. Well, right now with your salon, are you currently open? I'm not sure what's going on in San Diego. We are. Luckily, we were not reclosed this time when everything was just reclosed this past weekend. Um, They kept us out of the, apparently we're essential, or maybe there was not enough data to prove that we were super spreaders. Thankfully, I know, you know, we go to school for sanitation. You literally don't really learn how to do hair in beauty school. You go for 1800 hours to learn how to keep your your station clean, how to not spread germs, how Mm -hmm. to properly clean your implements. You know, that's, that's literally what state board is. You go there for the whole day and take a test on how to like keep shit clean. Mm. So I think once, um, our wonderful governor was educated on how got it. we were trained, he was more, uh, yeah, that, and I think we raised a lot of hell when we were <laughs> shut down. Yeah. You were out there picketing yeah, and when you go. Yeah. And I think it really did bring our industry together and it kind of up-leveled, um, how we were showing up and how yes. we were to each other. And it brought us together as a community, which I don't think anything has ever done for us. So I do see it as a blessing. Um, so we are lucky to be open right now. Yeah. And the value that you have and us as clients, how much we value you, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, I, I need my, I need my hair gal. I need my nails gal. Yeah. yeah. Keeping my sanity. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, um, with your podcast, what do you talk about on your podcast? Do you talk with other owners? Or is this mostly for brick and mortar businesses or all types of beauty industry workers? So the, yeah, the podcast was something that was on my heart to do for a couple of years. But you know, starting anything new, you're scared. You don't know what to do. Like the tech held me back. Like I've been behind the chair for 20 years. I don't know. I barely know how to use my phone for God's sake. So stuff on starting a podcast, editing, getting another shit. I was like, I can't do this. Girl, this one right now, I was like, yeah. I just texted you. You want to do this? You're gonna be you're gonna help me figure this out. <laughs> what I'm doing. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I you and I both. Help me. And I was like, what do I really want to share and talk about? And because I wanted to bring the community together, because I wanted to kind of get access to people in my industry that I wouldn't normally get a chance to do this kind of stuff with. Mm-hmm. I said, I've, I've lived in San Diego my whole life. I'm going to be 40 in February. I've been in the industry for 20 years. There's so many people that I know. Um, and so many people I've watched grow up in this industry and become yeah. successful. I just wanted to sit down and share their story and talk about how they got where they were what made you different than this person? Like I was saying earlier, why are you busy and successful and thriving and someone else is not? Mm-hmm. Come in, let's share those stories. I could talk to you guys all day about why and how I did what I did, but like you doing what you're doing with me interviewing other people, like 
you get the juice too. So I get to learn like how you're learning. Mm -hmm. I get to learn from them. I get to hear success stories. I get to hear tips, tricks, like what they've worked through too. So it, it, it inspires me. And so I know if I'm feeling inspired, hopefully the listeners can take some stuff away and kind of feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the podcast is really just about empowering stylists, sharing inspiration, helping them take action on things that they've been holding themselves back from starting, doing, engaging, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. So um, I really enjoyed it. I've recorded, I think around 25 episodes and every conversation is, you know, I'm asking better questions like we talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, just digging deeper into what it really means for people to have a business like this. It's such a uh, personal thing and you can really make it anything that you want. Same with personal training. You know, it's like, um, yeah, the takeaways and the shares, like the, the fact that we get to have such close relationships with our clients. Like I have some clients I've had for 20 years. I knew them before they were married, married, three kids, divorced. Like we hear it all. Yeah. So it's such a, an amazing job. And I don't think anyone takes it for granted. And I do think that this pandemic showed everybody how essential we were in the lives of our clients. I mean, I made it through the 2008 recession. So I already knew mm-hmm. that the recession proof industry, mm-hmm. but this really like solidified the meaning that we have in our clients' lives. So it just, it just really pushed me to want to get this podcast out there to just kind of inspire whoever I can to stay, you know, in, in that, I am a hairdresser and I am proud of it. Not, Oh, I just do hair mm-hmm. difference. You know, I just do yep. hair is this. I am a hairdresser or I'm a stylist or a salon. Like they're like own it. Like many, many stylists make six figures and plus many salon owners make multiple six figures. Like this industry can be anything that you want it to be. As long as you take it seriously. Absolutely. I see it very similar to dance when I had the dance studio. Why is this dance studio successful and this one's not? And they're teaching the same exact classes. They come for that person. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Also, what is the podcast? It's called Beauty Inspires Beauty. Just want to make sure that's correct, right? Inspires Beauty Podcast. Yeah. Okay. And you're on all the platforms. What are you noticing right now with salon owners that maybe fell off during the last nine months, are they starting to add things to their repertoire or, you know, looking at things differently? Or do you see people, um, I've seen this with dancers, they're either jumping ship or going, you know, 10xing it. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, totally. And this is where like, for me personally, I'll just speak on myself. I have seen all of the above. So I've seen people who maybe only had one foot in the door and were taking their business kind of like just they're floating by doing what they need to do just to maintain a business. Those ones didn't last over 40 salons in San Diego alone have closed like shut down 40. So that just goes to show you how many salons there were. But what's crazy is my other friends who do own salons, no one's knocking the door down trying to get a chair. So where did all those stylists go that worked (laughs) in 40 salons? Where'd they go? In the herd, it turned out people who weren't taking their business seriously, who weren't really in it as a career career, who were probably just doing it because it was easy, it was there. I I don't really know. I can't speak for everybody else. But it 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 made me question for one, owning my own business. Was that the right decision? Right? But I think every business owner hits that wall at some point. It doesn't have to be a pandemic. But it also made me think outside the box for me personally. So there was a lot of stigma around, um, you know, network marketing as far as like retail companies. There's a lot of great companies out there right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, having a health and fitness background, I've dabbled in a few of them. But um, I've recently joined and partnered with a product line that I can now sell mm-hmm. direct to ship market like that versus 
back in the old school days, if you were a salon, 60% of your revenue came from retail sales. Yeah. yeah. And you had to stock it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now being a small salon and not having like, I don't have walk-in access to where my salon is and having very few clients coming in and out of the door, it limited who I could sell that $5,000 worth of retail I have on the shelf to only these eight people that came in this week or were 10 people. So Mm -hmm. I was like, what the pandemic did was gave everybody a direct to ship code. So like if you were a hairdresser in a salon that used to sell retail for that owner, help the owner keep the doors open, keep the cleaning crew, keep the everything staffed or stocked, all the things, that money's gone now. So that extra pot that was brought in from the retail is completely gone. Every stylist can now have a direct-to-ship link on their phone to sell sell retail. So I was like, why would I only stick with the products I'm carrying? So yeah. I had to open my mind to people who were doing the direct-to-ship marketing or the network marketing for this company. So I found a really amazing company called Monate that I've partnered with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's a, shampoo. Mm-hmm. it's a no brainer for me. It fits my brand. It fits my business. Yeah. And, um, as, as a coach now in this industry, coaching other hairdressers, uh, other salon owners, they are all hurting. They're all looking for other ways to make revenue. And what this pandemic showed us is that we needed more options. You can't only have one stream of revenue, but many hairdressers only had their behind the chair business where if you didn't show up and trade time for money, yeah. you book a haircut. I show up and do it. You pay me. That was the only way they could make money. So there's stigmas behind the businesses like that. There's the, oh, I don't know about this product. I don't know about that. In every line that you have, there's going to be stuff that you like and stuff that you don't like. And if you were properly misdiagnosed with a product that you shouldn't have had, you're not going to like it. You know what I mean? It's not a one size fits all. And if you're allergic to something, you know, so it's been really interesting for me to like be the newbie in this and like learn this new business and learn this new product. But, um, I think after 20 years and doing my due diligence on all the different product lines I've used over the years, I can safely say that this is a clean beauty product that I'm using that I love. Um, they do third-party testing to make sure everything's like up to par because there are actually no regulations on beauty products. A, a company can say that they're organic or they're this or that, and there's nobody to test it or contest it. Something mm. can water and they can say they're organic because they're 80% water. So what's cool about this company is they actually do third-party testing. And so I know from people who have gone before me that it's, it's good shit. So, you know, I'm looking for any kind of support I can get. And if it's coming from a company like that, that's going to like feed me all the ways to be successful, you know, network marketing is really set up for the early stage entrepreneur who wants to start something, but doesn't have a lot of money to do it. It's Mm -hmm. like a proof thing of like, here's a business, follow the plan. You'll get paid. And a great leg to one of your seven streams to become a millionaire. Right. And if you only have one and that's because you have to trade time for money, it's not going to work because something like the pandemic will just knock you out. Knock you the fuck out. And that's Mm -hmm. what it did with so many people in my industry. And I knew as a coach and people, I had to try something myself in order to like then share it with other people. So I'm going to build this business and I want you to be on my team with me. Doesn't mean you can't still do hair, but what a lot of hairdressers learned was they were going ham, like eight, nine, 10 hour days behind the chair, four or five days a week. They were doing it. But when we came back, people were like, I can't do this anymore. Like Mm. I burnt out. Like I'm physically exhausted. Like I don't really want to, they're wearing wearing masks all day. We're having to clean and sanitize. It's just a different environment. It's a lot heavier. Mm. Um, so I think people are more open to options like this. 
And to that or getting into education, there's there's YouTube platforms. They can start their own podcast. They can start their own education channel. There's so many different things that they can do. And so that's what I'm kind of here for to help them get started with those ideas um, and get out of their own way so they can start to have their seven streams of revenue like we've been taught we need. Yeah. You know? God, it's so good. Every time I talk to you, I just, your energy, you're awesome. such an eloquent speaker and you're like perfect for the microphone. Last question where we wrap this up. Let's say I am a, gosh, if somebody's listening, but because you and I, not many own a brick and mortar, right? It's, it's no joke. Yeah, like when I'm in these mastermind groups, I'm the only one, right? Yep. So you and I get it. When I talk to my other friends that have brick and mortars, they're different conversations than people that have online businesses. But again, I didn't build the online and now I'm learning. But somebody that's watching that has a brick and mortar or a salon owner or somebody behind the chair and they need to get back up, what would you tell them? Like if they could just do one little thing from now until December 31st before the new year, what could they do? Get out of your own fucking way and start showing up as consistent as you can in whatever form feels good to you. You don't have to get on camera like we do, but this is the most powerful way to get your message across. You can stumble. You can say, um, you can not quite know what you're talking about, but if you have conviction behind the fact that you want to build your business, which is you want more clients, where are your clients? Go find them. So social media any of these platforms are free and it took years because that's not how I built my business. Probably not how you build your business either. Uh-uh. We, we were like old school guerrilla marketing. Yeah, old school. Hey, the new salon just opened up down the street. I'll give you a free haircut. If you come get color, like that's how I got my clients. Yeah, you started before YouTube and everything, girl. Right. Yep. Yeah. If I didn't have clients, I did not sit on my ass and scroll through social media. Thank God it didn't exist. I got out there. I passed out my cards. I did whatever I could to fill my books because in mm-hmm. my mind, I was like, okay, this week I have a hair payments too. I, I need you know, 300 bucks. I need three more haircuts. I got to get out there and get them. Yeah. People don't do that anymore. It's like a sit back and wait. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, I have no clients, but let yep. me go get that $7 Starbucks. Yeah. I- <laughs> Just like I don't get them started. And some like, you know what? And then it, it got cold and I made an iced coffee. I don't Right now, I have an alarm go off every day on my phone that says, spend less challenge, girl. Like, how can I spend less? And the first thing I did was, I'm not going to buy any coffee. I'm going to make coffee. I'm going to make it old school. So I make a pot, Jessica, for a week, and then I'll just have a little cup every day. And I'm like, I am saving how much money on that junk? And you're right. I'll see people. I'm like, you just told me that you could barely pay your rent, and you're getting a Starbucks? What? In my industry, it's rampant rampant, rampant, rampant. People You're are right. juices and they're ordering $20 lunches and they've got the DoorDash. Yeah. And then they can't pay their rent. And I'm like, listen, if you don't take your business seriously, you don't respect the money that you are bringing in. Like it, you'll, you will forever be in that cycle of catch up and struggle, catch up and struggle. I hope I have a busy week. I hope I could do this. The only way to be consistent and have a consistent business is for you to be consistent too. You need to be doing consistent work. You need to be showing up consistently on social media. That doesn't mean just like working out. When I would tell clients that have never worked out or haven't worked out in years, it's not seven days a week now, an hour a day. No, pick something you can stick to three days a week for 30 minutes. Let's start with that. Yeah. So you post Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Just be consistent. Don't go A to Z, but be consistent with AB first. Pick something and be consistent with it. Because once you master that and that habit becomes something that you just do, it's like what I teach in my non-negotiables. I am the non-negotiables. What you, what you do every day has a direct effect on your future. So Joanne and I already know you Mm got to show up today 
as the person you want to be next week, next month, next year. Amen. That's me right now. I am creating my life for when I'm in my fifties and yeah. all my clients know, they all know, Hey everybody, I'm training for when I'm in my fifties. Cause my goal is to be just like JLo and yeah. badass the way she is. And then she'll be in her sixties and I'm going to look up to her then. Yeah. Okay. I have a question that kind of went side left, but do you think, because they say millennials are not going, they're going to be the first generation that's not going to do better than their parents. And then we have the Gen Zers. Do you think it's because the millennials want a quicker fix? So they're buying more things than we did when we were younger. If we didn't have the cash, we just didn't buy Starbucks, but they're putting it on credit. So it's, is it that they don't have the money or is it that they're spending money that they don't have? I think the world of comparison has taken over. I think when we were younger, you would only see what the girl next to you had. You didn't in see person, what the person not on had, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. you were kind of raised in your, your environment was what everybody, like, so if you were middle class, you probably hung out with middle class, right? So you probably weren't around kids who had parents that had Porsches or fancy shit or housekeepers, right? You, you kind of kept with your own level. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now it, it's so, you, you see what these micro influencers are doing. You see these posts, you think that you have to show up like that. you got to have all these things in order to be that. And I think, I don't know if it's our age or we come to that realization. Cause I mean, we're human. I compare mm-hmm. I see what someone else is doing. Now I look more business wise. Like what is yeah. she business? How do I got to show up? And I have to check myself and say, I got to do what feels comfortable for me and what's applicable to my business. But as far as like, I have two brothers that are quite a bit younger than me. And, um, I would say, I would say it's instant gratification for one has taken on a whole new level, but I think it's the keeping up game. I think people, it's a front. I think we think we need more shit than we do. And I think the pandemic did really help people realize that they don't need as much stuff as they thought they did. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I can really answer that being that we're a little bit older, but from my perspective and for have, for having other stylists that work for me that are younger, they think they got to have all the latest and greatest shit. They think they have to have all of the bells and whistles in order to feel some type of way. But I do think it's that age. I do think it's between, you know, your late teenage years into your early twenties, when you start making money, you think you got to spend it all on the fancy shit to, sh- to like show face. And I think you quickly learn the older you get. It's not about what kind of car you drive. It's not about what kind of fucking clothes you're wearing. It's about who you are as a person and what you contribute to society will leave the legacy versus what people think of you. Right. But that takes time. That's an interesting point of view. I never saw it that way because I didn't have comparison as much as I do when social came out. For sure. I compare more now. Yeah. You're right. And like you said, I, but I compare with business. Oh, I need to do this. And I'll, I'll look at somebody, anybody, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, I should be as far along how, and a lot of it for me is age. Oh my gosh, she's 21 and I'm here. And I'm like, feel like I'm starting all over again. You're so right. So I can only imagine if I'm, 15 right now and having this device to be able to compare, compare. And I didn't have that where you and I till later on as often that we can see it now. Wow. Okay. What a great, interesting point of view, um, changing that for me. Well, I'm excited because you're going to be talking about non-negotiables at our Slay Gals event. Oh, and talking about these essential workers, right? As you, as people that, because I, I noticed that it was all about, we love our doctors and our nurses, but we just keep saying they're the essential workers and the ones that are at the, the grocery store and things of that nature. But I'm like, what about everybody else? And I guess that word essential worker has been tossed around, but I want to say people in our lives that we really appreciate, 
and like our hairdresser, mm-hmm. like our nail gal, like my girl that does my eyebrows. I, I cried getting my Botox. I'm like, I never realized dude, that was essential for me, my Botox, right? Let's get real. But to really help those families and they're getting coronavirus, they're dying because they're just sewing, sewing, sewing. And they're just like tossing them in the side going, next, we'll just get somebody else. And I'm going, oh my gosh, because they stopped making clothes because people aren't buying clothes anymore. So they started making the PPE. But anyway, but I'm really excited for your non-negotiables because your energy always fires me up. And I know I can always up-level my non-negotiables. And again, we're always up-leveling. And I really feel an up-level coming up for 2021 for me as my non-negotiables. And even if it's like a minute, and like you said, Three days a week, 30 minutes instead of seven days a week, and we're going to do an hour. So my non feel guilty and you feel shameful because you didn't stick to your hour a day, seven days a week. Non-negotiables are something that we pre-decide. Mm-hmm. It's not like a habit. A non-negotiable is like, okay, this is where I want to go. This is how I want to live my life. Or these are the things I want to have. What am I doing right now to set myself up to have those? So it's creating habits. Yes. But non-negotiables are pre-decided things that we will or won't do in order to have that. So when situations come up, can you go to dinner? Do you want to take a day off? Do you have time for this? You don't have to think about it. There's no him and han. Oh, I'm not sure. Or you say yes to shit that you shouldn't be saying yes to. You've already decided. That's a no. It's an easy no. I've already made the decision because it's not going to support these decisions or choices that I have or things that I want to get to. And once I started looking at things like that, it's easier for me to stay focused on the things that make the most difference. So like Chris always says, if it's not income producing or joy producing, I don't really want to be a part of it. So And that's okay. We're not all at that place, but for right now, for you and I, especially like having to transition out of brick and mortar, Mm -hmm. it's huge. We're in a huge transitional phase and knowing where we want to go is half the, half the battle. People don't always know where they want to go. They don't have direction and certainty on what's next. And so I think that holds a lot of people back. Yeah. You can create just mini wins in your day, like how you and I show up in the morning. That's what we get up and that's our time to set the foundation to make sure our day is set up to win. Everybody wakes up with shit on their mind. Everybody wakes up with a little bit of anxiety or some things that they're like, fuck, I got to get this shit done. But like moving and letting your body like a moving meditation. I know we both practice kind of doing that too with with our walks and just listening to good uh, propaganda in our ears. It just it, it clears the space for whatever happened yesterday. Today's a new day and I'm refocusing and here we go. I love how you said a non-negotiable is not a habit. That was mind blowing for me because I never really saw it that way. They're totally different. Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind right now because that right there just going to up a level me. Because to me, my brain was like, well, I'm, I'm working on my habits. No, they're different. Mm-hmm. Love that. A habit, love a habit is something like... Um, to me, a habit is something you just do almost like a little quirk or a tick. That's a kind of a habit where they majority are sometimes bad habits. A habit to me is it can be good or bad. A non-negotiable is a, is a decision you made when you were in a good state of mind that you said, this will support that. This is going to be a yes or no. And I'm already going to decide. So when the situation comes up, I don't have to figure it out because sometimes we get so stressed. Should I, shouldn't I in relationship? Should I stay? Should I not stay? Oh, I know I said I wasn't going to let him treat me this way, but not that bad like if you've already made a non-negotiable decision that this is how you want to be treated or this is how you want a partner to show up or this is how you want a boss to be that's your decision you don't have to sit in limbo and that is where most people lose themselves lose focus and get all kinds of fucked up is in that mix mosh of i don't know should i should uncertainty will fuck anybody up 
So the best way to get up out of a situation for the get up girls is to like get out of that funk, get out of that state, make a decision and then stick to it. Non-negotiable. So good. Sorry. (laughs) So good because I'm right there living it again, you know, with that I'm single and I go through the whole, but if I just think about his non-negotiables, I'm good. I've, I've already said, this is what I would like. And so it has created me that I'm single right now in this moment. And that's it, Joanna, you don't have to make it any more than it is, but I will create this whole story about, but okay. Last thing, Jessica, have you noticed that some non-negotiables are different in certain aspects of your life? Yes. I do think there has to be like a give and take to everything. I do think that you're not going to be so rigid that like it's everything's black and white, of course. Um, I think when it comes to friendships, when it comes to expectations of how others show up, you can only hold things to to such high regard, right? Everything has to have like an inch of space, but what you get to do is decide how that's going to serve you and fit in your life. If you're in a phase of growth and those surrounding you are not, and they feel like they're draining you or bringing you down, or there's just not that positive. It's not like, okay, you can't be in my circle anymore. I can't be friends with you. You don't have to like cut shit off, but you can remove yourself and kind of, you know, if you, if you can, and if you do have really explain, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. Like, I love you. I have so much love for you, but I, I need to just like focus on me or I need to do this. Having those harder conversations will only support you. And this is why I think as you get older, you maybe don't have as many friends or you don't have as much of a social circle because at the end of the day, when you look around, like how many people can you really count on? You've got yourself for one. And you've got to do the most work on yourself. And I think the older we get, the more our old traumas and shit and life comes up. And you're like, (laughs) irritating me. Why is she like triggering me right now? And if you're in awareness and if you're doing the personal development work, you can sometimes like, ooh, I have a girlfriend like that. She's amazing. She means no harm. She is the coolest chick ever. But sometimes she says some shit and I'm like, hmm. And I actually, we had lunch on Saturday and I, I was able to tell, I said, sometimes when you say stuff, it really triggers me. And I, I said, I'm at least in a place where I can sit back and be like, okay, was it true what she said? Or did she mean it in a different way? Like typically my, not my non-negotiable would be like, nope, don't like how she makes me feel. I'm not going to put myself mm-hmm. in that situation anymore, but that's mm-hmm. kind of small-minded. She brings a lot of value to my life. She's a super like girly girl cheerleader. She always is pumping me up. I'm like, what does she mean by that? What can I take out of whatever she said or, and not make stories up in my head? Can I ask her more questions as to what she meant to help me? She's just trying to help me. Mm-hmm. So if you have people like that in your life, I think those are the ones worth working on. We all know the ones that don't bring the value to our lives. And it's, I think it's time 2021 should be all about clearing space, clearing energy, and really going inwards to focus on what brings you joy, happiness, peace, and like just a sense of like well being. Because there's, there's this past year has shown us, like, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had more than I did. Me you too. know what I mean, Jessica? Yeah. And I like this clearing space because I'm like, I could still feel like no more because I've cleaned a lot physically and mentally and emotionally. And I'm like, no, there's more. I can clean more. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do right now during the holidays. I'm like, I'm going to clean more space, all of it, mentally, physically. I've already, okay, last thing. Let's talk about money. I keep saying last thing, but you no, and I can talk forever. No, me and you. Well, I started selling things on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, cool. I found my little niche. Yeah. You know, talking about money. And I said, all right, I'm going to sell from the beginning of the pandemic. I'm going to sell one thing a week. 
and I have, I've probably made over, I don't know, $2,000 and just extra junk that I would just sat there. But I made that non-negotiable of you're going to save money, not spend on junk. And you're going to sell one thing. And literally it could be a pen. It could be this. All right, let's see. And it teaches me as a business owner how to sell it. Perfect. What's crazy is, so I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't care if she hears this, but I had a girl working for me and she, um, still working for me. She runs a booth. I have a rental salon and you pay a flat rate for the week and she already has a good deal. She's been really slow. Long story short, she tells me a few weeks ago that she can't pay me. Is it okay? I can't pay you. I'm slow. And I said, no, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking okay. Yeah. And like, we can be cool as long as you don't fuck with my money. Like we're friends too. We've been friends for 10 years. So it was mm-hmm. like a really awkward, weird situation. But then we got down to it. And because I have the friendship with her and because I have the awareness that it's not about me that she can't pay me. It's not me. Like it's not, she's not doing it to me. I had to go inward. And even though she buys the $10 coffees and the smoothies and just, you know, all the things I was like, okay, how do I keep it about business? But then also try to help my friend. And so we went down this whole big thing and it was like, what could you be doing to make money right now? I said, if I was in your shoes, I would have never told my boss I couldn't pay them. I would be driving for Lyft or Uber. I would be on Poshmark selling shit. I would be like, whatever you can do. I'm selling shit on Poshmark. Yes. Beyonce gave me that idea. She's like, when yes. I took marketing impact, she's like, sell your shit. You don't need all that. You've read all those books. Fucking sell them. Yes. And it'll teach you as an entrepreneur how to write the copy for it, how to take the photo, how to negotiate with these people and meet a stranger. And I've been selling, you know, in business for 25 years and I'm still learning, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that was lesson learned. Okay, I'm going to always confirm with them. I'm going to make sure they're on time. Like I'm going to stand up for myself because some people will just ghost you and not meet you to pick it up. So it's really learning how to speak up. I'm like, that is number one. If I had a teenager, I'm like, you're going to learn how to sell your stuff. Because yeah. Gary V talks about that. And I actually was learning it from him. Sell anything, just one thing a week. And I started selling more things. And then you'll know what is more valuable to people. That has nothing to do with hair salons. But again, you're going to go, ooh, that's valuable. I didn't know that people cared about that. They don't want to buy this, but they want to buy that. Why is it? And then mm-hmm. how can I sell this shampoo that has something to do with what I just sold? It is so good to learn as an entrepreneur. Start selling your stuff in your house that will create space. There you go. Whoa. There you go. Like anything. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, Jessica, I appreciate you. I hope you have an amazing, wonderful, phenomenal Thanksgiving with you Thank and your you. son in San Diego. And where can everybody find you? I know you live on Instagram. I do live on Instagram at Jessica Bergio um, is my Instagram handle, which is right here in the little title, but also the beauty inspires beauty shop.com is the website mm-hmm. where you can learn more about the podcast. Um, you actually watch it on there. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, where you can watch all of the videos as well because they're all live video podcasts. Um, And yeah, I'm all about empowering women and just like living life to its fullest. I'm done playing small. And that's why I surround myself with people like Joanna. And we just, you know, if you can be a woman's woman and just have people's back, like just keep putting out good shit. That's what I'm playing small. And we'll put that in the show notes. Everybody can check it out. And so your Instagram and your website. Jessica, I appreciate you. You're such an inspiration. Every time I go to it, uh, Instagram. It's like, you're doing or saying something. It could be on silent. It doesn't matter. I'm like, I got my Jessica and it's, it's a good little like booty kick. Like, Oh, she's doing it. Okay. I'm going to do it too. So everybody go follow her. It's all about, yeah. 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 Thank you so much. And gals, remember to get back up and let's go into the holiday season and get ready to get ready. Talk to you later. Get ready. So you got to stay, stay ready. So you don't got to get ready. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> 